Blog Talk Radio. It's the Speedway Show, an idea exchange empowering us to live well, live fully, and love deeply. And now, here's our host, Speedway. Hey there, how are you guys doing today? I am so glad that you decided to join me on the Speedway Show. I want to talk to you about something today that I have wanted to talk about for a long time, and I just couldn't quite formulate how I wanted to do it. This happens quite a bit. Sometimes I have an idea for a topic, and it just I just haven't quite figured out how to put it together, and so I just sort of sit on it and I wait. And eventually, and, and it usually happens, not in a sort of a slow way, but, you know, one day I just have it. And one day I just know what it is, I know what I want to call it, and I know what I, essentially what I want to say about it. This is one such show. It is actually one of the reasons I truly believe I was meant to do the Spewish show. And it is because I want to talk about things that are at the intersection of relationships and pain because that is often the stuff that we struggle with the most, right? That is the stuff where we're sitting around thinking, is anybody out there who can help me? Is there anybody out there who can relate to what I'm going through? Sometimes nobody can relate to what you're going through because they haven't been through it. So you can't call your friends, and sometimes your friends are not acting very much like your friends, and so you feel like you're all by yourself trying to work this out. That is one of the topics that we're going to cover today, and it is a topic about a place, a place where most of us wish we never got to. It is a place where we hope and pray that we never, ever get to. It's a place where if we actually get there, oftentimes we are quite surprised because nobody expects to get there. It is a place where God himself says he hates to go. So where is that place, you're asking? It is the place where the marriage falls apart. That's what we're going to talk about. When the marriage falls apart, what happens? One of the first things that I have observed happens is the deepest shock and surprise. When it, Those of you who have been following the show for a while know that I'm a lawyer. I am, uh, this is the 20th year of my practice. Don't be fooled by the attractive appearance. I am actually older than I look. In fact, quite a bit older than I look. When I started my practice, the first five years I spent doing, among other things, divorce work, I dealt with a lot of couples, both men and women, who found themselves in this place. And one of the the things that I think is, is common is a great sense of, above all things, you know, just surprise and loss that, you know, feels like I have no idea how we got here. Now, the 
sense of surprise and loss may be new to you, but actually sometimes if you ask your friends or if you talk to the friends of somebody who is getting divorced, not always, but sometimes, They'll say, oh, please, we saw that coming a mile away. Those two were at each other's throats from the beginning. As a matter of fact, I remember telling him not to marry that woman because she was trouble, she was this, she was a gold digger, she was on and on and on. She was trying to change him from the word go. You know, sometimes your friends will see it before you do, long before you do. Sometimes the kids will see it before you do, especially if they're older kids. You know, they're like, hey. It's about time, especially if it was an acrimonious relationship. But if you're the one who's going through it, then your first experience might be one of just shock. You might be shocked, stunned, and amazed. I cannot believe I'm here. And part of what it changes is truly everything. Because what you realize is that your entire life is centered around you being married. Your children, especially if you've got younger children, are centered around the nuclear relationship that you and your spouse have. Many of your friends, especially if you've been married for a while, many of your friends, if not most of them, will also be married couples and perhaps married couples that you met during the course of your marriage. You have never known them as singles. And we're going to get to the whole question of your friends. And, and, and in fact, we're going to talk about your friends throughout the, the, the course of this topic because, you know, the thing that sometimes is also surprising is how your relationships change over time when your marriage falls apart. So you're thinking to yourself, what on earth is the future going to look like without my spouse? Because everything was about me and my spouse being together. Our retirement plans were all about us spending, you know, our years together in the sunset traveling or doing whatever it is we thought we were going to be doing together, right? Our, uh, all of our plans, all of our vacations, all of our holidays are about going to one person's families or another. It's about, you know, they're all about me complaining about my in-laws. What am I going to do with no in-laws? What am I going to do over the holidays? And there is just that deep sense of surprise. I never thought I would be in this place. Even if you kind of thought this marriage was a little bit shaky or even if when you got married you're kind of thinking, well, you know, this might not work out. I'm not sure if this is the right thing for me. Most people still never expect to find themselves in this place where they're actually going through the divorce. What I will tell you about that feeling is, you know, it's something that is not going to be unique to you if you find yourself feeling that way. And it is also something that will pass. There is a feeling that often happens when you're going through that point where your marriage is falling apart. It is. It, it feels like this huge lump in the pit of your stomach, and it hurts and it sucks. And, you know, with um, approximately half of the U.S. population, going, the U.S. married population going through divorce, I'm going to guess that there are probably a lot of you out there who can relate to this feeling. 
And uh, I'm sad to say I am one of those 50% who have gone through it, and I am here to tell you with no measure of um, sadness that uh, it is one of those things that is not easy. I had a friend of mine who was a partner at a law firm. He was on his fourth wife, and I remember asking him the question that, gee, since this is wife number four, you've obviously been divorced three times. He said, yep. And I asked the question that, you know, had been sort of a burning question, and I'd just sort of been hoping I'd get to know him well enough just to ask the question. And the question I asked him was, so did the divorces get easier after the first one? And he said, oh, absolutely not. He said, in fact, they got harder. And they got harder because, among other things, aside from the fact that they all hurt and they were all awful, they also got harder because the self-doubt increased with each relationship. And he was kind of feeling like, you know, am I not worthy? What What is wrong with me that I cannot maintain a successful marriage? And I thought, well, you know, he sure was tenacious, you know, after wife number one, <laughs> wife number two, wife number three. He's finally on wife number four, and um, this one seems to have stuck. But he said, you know, it doesn't it doesn't get easier. And the only people who think that divorce is the easy way out of a relationship, the only people I think who, who feel that way are people who've never had to go through it because there sure isn't anything easy about it. So the good news that I can give you, though, about that feeling in the pit of your stomach, that sense of shock, you wake up every morning and you sort of, as you're becoming oriented and the and the memories of the day before and of your life sort of download, there is this great big elephant in your in, in, in the middle of your head. And it is I am getting divorced. I am separated. I am whatever, you know, this marriage is over. The good news is that feeling does go away. The feeling that sick feeling that you get when you remember, it goes away. And so take heart because, um, you know, this too really does pass over time. But at the end of the day, that's just the beginning, isn't it? And there is, you know, often what I will call the period of craziness. And I see it. When people are newly divorced, I see it. And often, you know, it, it depends how how people react to it. Often depends on how they feel about the marriage. So sometimes, you know, I, can, I, I tell people all the time, when I am, for example, at the gym, I can always spot the newly divorced woman because, you know, they are sometimes the happiest people on the planet. They have all of this frenetic energy, and they are euphoric. Sometimes they're euphoric because they, you know, they feel free. They feel excited because everything that's been weighing them down has been lifted. That lying man who was, you know, drinking too much and he was uh, apparently having, you know, affairs upon affairs, he is finally gone. And I am finally free from the burden of having to live under the bondage of that of that just suffocating relationship. And sometimes, you know, women are just excited. When I was practicing divorce law, I got to a point where, you know, I, I would always tell my clients, oh, I'm so sorry you're going through a divorce. And with both the men and the women, what I found is that some of them were actually incredibly happy. I will never forget the time 
and I felt really bad, but I will never forget the time. I had a client who was a, who was a man who had just had the hardest time in his marriage, and he was so excited that it was over, and we were leaving the courthouse, and the, the, the courtroom that we were in was on, you know, like the fourth floor or something. So we were, uh, we get on the elevator, and he is so excited. It's just the two of us on the elevator. And he just started to dance. I mean, he's just dancing, and he is celebrating. And we go down one floor. The elevator door opens, and there is his now ex-wife. And, you know, she had gone down to the cafeteria or wherever. And so the, the, the door opens. He doesn't see her. She sees him first. And he is just dancing a jig, man. He is so excited. And he sees her, and he froze. And she was watching him do this dance, and I'm feeling bad because the look on her face was just one of utter devastation. And it was, it was I think it was also the fact that she realized that when he thought no one was watching, that's how he really felt about the marriage. These are all things that happen during what I call the period of craziness. It is at the beginning when things are just, you know, it's heated and it's crazy and nobody knows how to deal with their emotions and they are just doing, you know, sometimes you're doing the best you can. But it's when, you know, all the crazy behavior comes out. He looks like he's stalking you and, you know, maybe he is. He's going crazy. He's telling people all sorts of horrible things about you. She is going off to all of their friends, and she's saying all sorts of crazy stuff, and and most of it you kind of figure that can't possibly be true. But that is the period that I call the period of craziness. Um, I can tell you from experience that, yes, it does suck. And here's the bad news. Usually when you are on the front end of it, if you're separated, um, in counseling, just starting the uh, the paperwork, it will probably get worse. The good news, though, is that it does pass. That huge, heavy, horrible lump in your stomach that's always with you now will go away. It'll go away slowly. It'll go away over time, but it will go away. And you will survive it, not because you're so brave, not because you're amazing, but because you have no choice. I am always amazed at how many people I come across who have at one point in their lives contemplated suicide. And divorce is one of those situations where a lot of people think about committing suicide. And, you know, some people do. Most people don't. But, you know, I find, you know, I got through my divorce. It wasn't because I was so brave. It was because, you know, um, I would lay in bed and, and, and wait to die, and it just didn't happen. <laughs> I just kept on breathing. And and I certainly wasn't about to kill myself because I thought, you know, what if what those Catholics say is true, that um, God actually does not forgive you for taking your own life. And so if I think uh, going through a divorce is bad, <laughs> well, imagine how much worse off I'm going to be if I decide I'm going to take my life and then I find that eternity is so much worse and it's eternity. Oh, no. So if I can't take this, I certainly can't take whatever's coming if it's worse, right? So fear, and then, you know, fear of my father. What on earth am I going to say if I kill myself and then I have to face him? And he's like, what the heck were you thinking? And I'm like, well, it was horrible. And then he's going to be like, 
Well, did you consider the rest of your life? Here's the future I would have had for you. You would have been traveling. You would have had this amazing job. You would have had, you know, a life with these gorgeous children. You would have had, and then I'd be sitting there going, I'll be doggone. <laughs> so have a sense of humor. It will pass. Um, what I What I will tell you that you can sometimes do when your marriage falls apart, is sometimes you can't reconcile. So it ain't over until it's over. Well, it ain't over until one of you gets married, I would say. But sometimes there is the ability and the availability of a reconciliation option. Maybe it's counseling. But the thing that I will tell you about counseling is that um, you really cannot make a marriage work if both people are not interested I went to counseling. The uh, at the time the spouse and I would get to counseling and counselor sits us down and he says, "You know, when I started my career, I used to counsel married couples and I used to talk to them and give them all these exercises they had to do, tell them they had to go home and learn how to fight fair, speak to each other a certain way, and we're both nodding, and I'm thinking, yeah, that sounds familiar. I've read books about that. You know, if you're concerned about your marriage and you're interested in making it work, sometimes you read all these books and they tell you that stuff. And the counselor says to us, well, you know, I found that that was actually a pretty ineffective way of preserving a marriage. And we're both kind of looking, going, gee, I can't imagine why that would be. And he said, it's because usually when people are having problems in a marriage, it is largely because individually they have issues that they have not resolved and therefore they cannot come together in a constructive way. So he says to us, I'm going to um, give you both assignments that I want you to work on individually. And both of you have to work on these things before we can bring you together to fix this marriage. And I'm thinking, hmm, well, that's kind of an interesting approach. And he, he tells my husband, your job at the end of the counseling session, he says, your job is to really be authentic. Stop trying to be somebody you're not. Stop trying to manipulate her into the box that you want to put her in. You want to control your marriage, and you need to stop trying to control your marriage by trying to control your wife. And you need to stop controlling your wife and just be who you are. To which my husband says, well, what if she doesn't like who I am if I just be myself? And the counselor says, well, if she doesn't like who you are, why would you want to be married to her? And I'm sitting there like, did he not see me sitting here? Does he not notice that I'm the spouse? And I'm saying, is he allowed to say that? But, you know, <laughs> in hindsight, it was really kind of funny. And so that was that was my husband's assignment. My assignment was, he looks at me and he says, okay, your job is to decide whether or not you want to be in this marriage. Pure and simple. If you do not want to be in this marriage, there is nothing that I can do for you. We cannot start doing exercises. We cannot start working on anything until you decide that you want to be in this relationship. All that to say that at the end of the day, 
the only way, and I think this is true, I think he was actually dead on. He was a fantastic, fantastic counselor, by the way. But I think he was exactly right because unless and until both of you want to be in the relationship, then there is not too much that you're going to be able to do in order to preserve it. I have men who come to me all the time. And by the way, the statistic in the United States is that women leave marriages at twice the rate of men. And I am surprised at how many women are happy when they leave. They go off, they get makeovers, they get boob jobs, they look ten times prettier, and here's the guy going, I'll be doggone, you look that good now? Now that the marriage is over? How come you look like a, you know, frumpy blah, 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 blah during the marriage? And uh, she's all, you know, I'm feeling free, I'm feeling free, so she's all excited, right? But at the end of the day, understand that there's only so much that you can control. I often see men trying to control the outcome of the separation because, you know, men tend not to want. For all the complaints that you hear uh, in, you know, when people talk about relationships, about how men don't want to commit, men are, you know, unavailable emotionally, blah, blah, blah. You know, married men uh, tend, in my experience, not to want to get divorced. And as a matter of fact, the statistics bear that out because a lot of times men are married within two years of their divorce, whereas women have a tendency to wait, you know, three, four, five years, and some of them never get married, remarried again. So all that to say, if you are the person who is not wanting to go back to the marriage, understand that no amount of counseling is going to make up for the fact that you're not engaged in your relationship. If you are the person who is on the receiving end of that and you don't want the marriage to go and you're stuck with someone who does not want the marriage, then there isn't anything that you can do to control them into wanting to be in the marriage. That's just the reality. So this is where we get to pray the serenity uh, prayer. God grant me the... um, Courage to change the things I can change. I think that's how it goes. And the serenity to accept the things I cannot change and the wisdom to know the difference. If this marriage is outside of your control because you want it and your spouse doesn't, then don't bang your head against the wall. If you can try, you can beg, you can preach, you can try and do what you can to preserve it, but just accept and receive the fact And make peace with the fact that if your spouse doesn't want to be in this marriage, then you're probably not going to be able to preserve it. Time and space. This is where time and space comes. Sometimes in the heat of, you know, anger and emotions and everything else, there is just no logic. You can't hear each other think. You can't hear each other speak without having that hair-trigger reaction of just negativity. Sometimes it's good to give each other time and space. Contrary to the popular belief that you have to get together as soon as possible and spend more time, sometimes it's better to give each other some time to, to, to think and reflect and be apart. But that is assuming 
however, that both of you want to use that time in that way. Sometimes you might have a spouse who really just wants to go out and play. I don't. I, I want to be separated because I want to be free. I want to go dance. I'm going through my midlife crisis. I want to, you know, I want to party. I want to be out there, and I really just don't want to be with you. And if that's the case, then you're going to have a bit of a hard time with this person being separated because chances are separation is just a stepping stone to a permanent breakup. And separation may be a way of letting the other uh, uh, spouse down easy on the way out the door. So it can be a good thing. It can give you space. And, you know, it may help you reconcile. The thing I will say about separation and space is if you really think about it, marriage is supposed to last the rest of your life, right? Therefore, you ought not to be in a huge hurry to get to the actual divorce portion of it. So it's fine if you end up being separated for a long period of time. If the purpose of the separation is to give you the ability to reflect and to heal so that you can come back together. Now, there are some couples that get separated and they never come back together. Now, as a lawyer, uh, personally, I've never liked that model. And I will give you an example of what can happen. There is a legal obligation that happens when you are married. If you think about the whole question of gay marriage that has really taken front and center stage in the United States in particular, One of the realities of gay marriage is that when a state does not recognize a gay couple as being married, there is a whole host of legal rights and remedies that that couple cannot have available. If a gay couple gets, well, I would say gets divorced, but if if the if the state doesn't recognize the marriage, then there is no real avenue of divorce, right? If a gay couple gets, you know, split up and the state doesn't recognize divorce, there is no track to run for how do we separate the assets, how do we figure out custody of the children, is somebody going to pay child support, is somebody going to get visitation, all of those things are legal constructs that exist in the context of a marriage. Therefore, If you get separated and you do not get legally divorced, that legal construct still exists. Now, I am a lawyer, but I'm not giving you specific legal advice. If you need legal advice about your situation, you need to contact a lawyer who currently practices divorce law, which I don't do, and in your state. And um, there there are bar associations and all sorts of organizations that can help you find Lawyers, and of course you may know people who can recommend good lawyers to you, but at the end of the day there is a legal construct that still exists when you are married. And it can have some very serious ramifications. I'll give you an example. This is my horror story for why it is always a good thing to get divorced if you're not going to get back together. There was a man and a woman. One day the woman comes into my office crying her eyes out because she and her husband had separated some 25 years earlier. He had gone his way, she had gone her way. They had not spoken to each other in that whole time. 
she had moved on. Neither one of them had ever gotten married, so they never saw the need to get divorced officially. But here's what happened. She was left with the marital house. She faithfully pays the mortgage off on this house over the course of the 25 years. This is back when people stayed in their homes forever and ever, and then they paid off the mortgage, and they still stayed in their homes until they died, right? She pays off the mortgage on this house. 25 years later, the house has appreciated. It's got a ton of equity. She's done quite well for herself. He, not so well. Not only that, but he is going through a really rough time financially. He files bankruptcy because he's got no, well, it's not that. People who file bankruptcy don't file bankruptcy necessarily because they don't have any money. They file bankruptcy because they have more debt than they have assets. Okay? So he's got more debt than he has assets. He goes on and he files for bankruptcy. The Chapter 13 trustee does the research, looks at all that he owns, and comes across this house that he purchased with his wife 28, 30 years ago. It has no mortgage on it. It is owned free and clear. And because they purchased the house after they got married, it is marital property. And they live in a survivorship state. Survivorship state basically means both of you own one half of the whole of the property. That is not to be confused with the concept of owning something as tenants in common, which means we own one half each. Why does that matter? It matters because if you and I are married and we are, um, we own a property in survivorship, then what that means is when you die, I own the entire property. If we are just joint tenants when you die, I still own my half of the property and your half goes into your estate. Um, joint tenancy in survivorship is a is a peculiar animal of law that that applies specifically in marriage in many states. So the fact that he is a tenant in survivorship of this property means that he is, at least as the trustee at the time argued, he should be entitled to the entire amount of equity that's in this house to pay the debt. You can imagine how this woman felt when she got the notice telling her that her house that is paid for free and clear is not going to be encumbered by the debt of a husband that she has not seen in over 25 years, not because he is coming after the house, but because the bankruptcy trustee, the Chapter 13 trustee, is coming after the equity in the house. Oh, horrors, horrors, horrors. These are the sorts of reasons why you want to make sure if you're not going back to that marriage, then you need to end it because you have no idea what kind of liabilities may come up in the event that um, things happen and things come up later in life that you did not anticipate. So these are the first tips that I'm going to give you, and uh, this takes us to the end of our show. Consider this part one because there will be another part to the show. We're going to talk about this topic until we have exhausted all of its aspects. So come back. We're probably not going to talk about it every week until I'm done because there's a lot to say about it. But um, for the next couple of months, we're probably going to intersperse and we're going to have a chapter of this topic um, until we have exhausted all the highlights. 
So thank you for joining me on the Speedway Show today. And um, go in peace and understand that on in this, as in all things, you will never be alone. Thank you for joining us on the Speedway Show. Visit thespeedwayshow.com for content and other episodes. Join the fan page at facebook.com slash thespeedwayshow. And follow Speedway on Twitter at the handle The Speedway Show. Until next week, live well, live fully, and love deeply.